We're turning to Matthew's Gospel. And chapter 21, please. Just open your Bibles at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. Passion Week, Holy Week, Easter Week, call it what you may. But there's one certain thing. Since the six days of creation... There has never been a week like it. This week that we're heading into, according to our calendar, is unequaled and unparalleled, apart from creation in the world's events. Herbert Lockyer has a book out, it's out of print maybe, covers the period from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, and it's entitled The Week That Changed the World. In it, he itemizes every event and every action of our Savior from day to day, from Sunday to Sunday, and sometimes from hour to hour. Very interesting book, if you get your hands on In chronological order, it shows everything that happened. From Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday in order. You don't get that in the scriptures as you read them. You have to work at that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all deal with a Savior riding the colt into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And while I'm not preaching on that this morning, In order to bring you into the context of what I am saying to you, let me just say a wee word about the colt and our Lord coming into Jerusalem. And if you read them carefully, you'll get a few handy headings. And the first heading I wrote over it was, I preached some years ago on it, the delirious crowd. The delirious crowd. In verse chapter 21 here, from 8 to 11, they have the crowd, a very great crowd. You need to read all the accounts to get the full thing, of course. They eulogized him, glorified him, and shouted, great prophet, great miracle worker, great healer. Less than seven days, they all forsook him. Every one of them. And they fled, and many of them cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! So was man, my friend, and it hasn't changed anything this morning. You never know when people's with you when they're not. They can be up there one day and down there the next. They can praise you one sermon and cut the tar out of you in another. I've had it all. So we're all tickled. So there's the delirious crowd. Then there was the disturbed Christ. When he went in and looked around him in the temple and saw the state, he was grieved, he was disturbed. And let me tell you, that lingered on with him into the next day. 
all night and the next day. And we'll see that this morning. He overturned the tables, he drove them out, he scourged them, he blasted them. In holy anger and indignation. He was vexed. He was disturbed. But not only have you the delirious crowd and the disturbed Christ, you have the derelict church. And if you read those, even in these, this account of Matthew, you'll see that they'd stop praying and they'd stop praying. The house of God wasn't a house of prayer anymore. And they rebuked the others for, pray, for praise. They were filled with legalism and filled with traditionalism. And we're picking up the story at verse 17 of 21. Verse 17 of Matthew 21. And he left them and went out. Let me stop a wee moment there. That's a very, very sad statement. Would to God that it's never said about this house that he left them. Would to God that no man can ever say it about the lifeboat. Do you know there are times on Sunday mornings round the Lord's table that you think he had gone? You'd think he was away. Not a sound of a praise, not a sound of a reading, not a sound of a word, not a sound of a prayer. You know, I can't think of anything more pathetic and more awful and more sickening to our Lord than the Laodicean church. And he's standing outside the door. of the Christian church and won't let them in. Or the scenario in the Old Testament of Ichabod, the glory has departed. Would to God that it's never said of this house. Would to God that it's never said of you this morning, sinner, That he's left you. Because mind you, that is very possible. Very possible. It happened with Esau. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Couldn't find it. It happened to Judas. It happened to Pilate. Pilate stood before him, he answered him never a word, nothing to say to him. Oh, God help us. He can't trifle with truth. He can't forever trample the word under foot. Verse 17, and he went out of the city unto Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he was, he was hungered. 
He mustn't have stayed with Mary and Martha that night. Because Martha would have fed him in the morning. Maybe maybe he spent the night in the Mount of Olives after what he saw in the temple. Maybe he fasted. He was hungry. You know, our Lord was hungry at times. Because he is all that you and I have in our old nature, all but sin. And I would think that if he stayed in the house of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, I would say that the he refused breakfast, maybe, or he, went, he spent the night on the Mount of Olives. But whatever, he's coming out the next day, and he's hungry. That's what the Word tells me here. Verse 18, now in the morning as he returned down to the city, he was hungry. I don't think he was expect. I don't think he wanted food. You know, when you're grieved and when you're burdened over some situation, food is the furthest thing from your mind. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. Verse 19, And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, the marvel, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, and ye shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believe, believing ye shall Receive, And we'll just leave the reading there and we know that God will bless to us the reading of his word. I want to speak to you this morning on the fake fig tree. The fake fig tree. And I want to apply it first of all, just for a wee moment, nationally to Israel and then spiritually to the church and to us. There are many dozens of scriptures in the Old and in the New Testament that symbolizes Israel as the fig tree. Other trees as well, but the fig tree. You have it in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, you have it in Romans, Matthew, and Luke. But there's one lovely thought here that caught my eye in verse 19, if you have a marginal reference. You know, if you haven't a marginal reference in your Bible, get one, because it's a commentary on its own. And in verse 19, it says in the marginal reference, one fig tree. Now, they tell me that fig trees uh, were usually in gardens or clustered here and there, but this one is on its own doesn't belong to anybody. It's on the wayside. It's on the mountainside as a two-mile journey as he came from Bethany down into Jerusalem on the Monday morning. And this, uh, this tree is on its own. It's, uh, it's, it's isolated 
and separated on its own. And of course that speaks so much of the nation of Israel. They're, they're unique. The God's people are unique. A nation born in a day. When the fig tree blossomed, when they came back to the land in 1948, they're God's chosen people, separated. Not God's favorite people. God has no favorites. I heard somebody saying they were God's favorite. They're not God's favorite. They're God's beloved people, God's chosen people. Someone has said, it's inex- they're inexplicable politically, militarily, economically, academically, industrially, horticulturally, in every way. And Mark says here, when they're making the journey, the two-mile track down the side of the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem on the Monday, was alone. And it says this in verse 19, and he saw a fig tree in the way, and he came to it. And, and Mark's gospel says he saw it afar off. You know, every nation of the world this morning gaze upon Israel. From the furthest corners of the earth, every foreign secretary, every defense secretary, every nation of the world on their entry is uh, the files regarding Israel. And to a measure, many of them are afraid of Israel. She's right at the heart of the center of the earth. There are trillions and trillions. They have lost count of the trillions of minerals that are in the Dead Sea alone. And the jewels and the oil and the copper and the brass of the hills of Asher. She's very unique. The eyes of the world can see her afar off this morning. And whenever the great battle of Armageddon comes, and they'll, <clears throat> they'll come from the north and the south and the east of the west for the spoil of Israel. And then God will destroy them by the brightness of his coming, as we saw the other night. So first of all, we see the position of the fig tree. Secondly, we see the condition. When he came to it, he saw nothing but leaves. And found nothing thereon, verse 19, but leaves only, no fruit. That's a fearful statement too. The fig tree was the only, only tree that leaves and figs come at the one time. In fact, the fig comes before the leaves. There's no other tree like that. And then the leaves come to cover them. Come to protect them from the sun and passing predators. It's a wide umbrella type tree. And the branches give shelter from the noonday sun. Some of them are 20 foot high and 20 foot wide. Remember, Jesus had a conversation with Nathaniel. He was under the fig tree in the heat of the sun. What a picture of the nation of Israel religiously and ceremonially to all outward appearance. Do you know if there's anything God hates, it's hypocrisy. If there's anything he hates, it's the out to show manship. That disturbs him greatly. 
And the nation of Israel just had an outward appearance. They had all the ordinances, they had all the precepts, they had all the principles, they had all the traditions, they had all the commandments. They daily offered the lambs and the bullocks and the heifers and the calves. They washed at the labor, blew the trumpets, lit the candles, shook the incense, rehearsed the psalms, came in thousands to the feast. But Jesus said, You draw near to me with your lips. But your heart is far from me. It's just an expression of outward appearance. Remember he said, woe to you hypocrites. You're like a dead man's bones. You've whitewashed the bone. The, uh, you've whitewashed the, the outside of the sepulchers and inside are dead men's bones. Man, he hated it. And, and he's vexed. And the all night he was vexed. All night, when he saw the state of the temple and saw the state of the tree, and saw then the tree and saw, saw what was going on, and he cursed the fig tree. Now, of all the miracles, count how many miracles he did. When it was there 18, <clears throat> was there 20, when I'm not sure. Of all the miracles that our Lord Jesus Christ done, this is the only one that he cursed and destroyed anything. So it lets us into his heart this morning. Oh, nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. When he drew near, he was hungry. And he wanted something to eat. There was nothing there. No food. I tell you, there's many, many churches in our land this morning. And the hungry sheep are looking up. As Milton of old said, to look up. But there's no feeding for them. Some minister, pastor, has footed about the whole week and done everything but got the word. And the people starve. It's only leaves. Numbers can only be leaves. All he saw was leaves. What, what do you think that, I'm trying to get into the heart of the Lord here the past days, what do you think he thought when he discovered that there was only leaves? You see, he knew all things. Of course he knew all things. He knew there was, but far off it looked. Far off it was declaring, come, 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 I, I, I'm the fig tree. I'll sustain you, I'll keep you, I'll, I'll fulfill your need. But when he drew near, there was nothing but leaves. Do you know I was hearing or reading, or I can't remember, some old humanist and modernist will be damned them boys when they say things like this, to deny his deity and say that he cursed it because it failed to give him his breakfast. And he cursed it because he was in bad temper. And they say that it was a cruel thing and a criminal act to interfere with a heritage tree bordering on vandalism. God helped them. 
Now I tell you, if it was cruelty or bad temper that made him do it, how come it withered up from the roots? Because that's what it says, from the roots. No, this struck a holy indignation into him. He had come in and he come into the temple and he had flung the tables and whipped and he had scourged and he had put them out. It's nothing to do with bad temper. I'll tell you, my friend, what it's to do with. It's to do with judgment. It's another side of our Savior. The zeal of the house has eaten him up. It's the other side of the coin. And the thing, I let me push this home this morning, hypocrisy, showmanship, making out to be something that you're not. Grieves him. Grieves him. Remember in a few days he's going to the cross. What do you think's on his mind when he gazed at the fig tree? What do you think's on his mind? Would the Garden of Eden be on his mind? The first mention of anything in Scripture is very important. The first mention of the fig tree in the Garden of Eden. Whenever the sinned. And they covered themselves. Deception. The fig leaves were used to hide the nakedness of Adam and Eve from God and from themselves, from one another. And don't miss that point. Cover up. They were used... The leaves were used as a covering up for sin. Because it wasn't until they had sinned that they realized that they were naked. So there's a cover-up. And that covering up has been going on ever since. Hiding themselves from God and hiding themselves from one another. Let me say a wee word now. I hope husbands and wives this morning that you're not in the business of covering up anything one from another. I hope you're transparent. I hope you're not covering up anything in your marriage. But sin will do that, you know. I hope you're not covering up anything in relation to money from one another. 
And I hope that you're not covering up anything in relation to messages, text messages and things like that from one another. Are you transparent this morning? Are you open? Can you leave your phone on the, if you have one? They're a cursed thing. They're good. They're a cursed thing too, you know. Can you leave your phone and give it to your wife and give it to your husband and say, there you are every day? Because I can tell you there's more people getting into trouble with texts and phones. The whole covering up started and the devil's good at it. That'll do there this morning. Let me close. Let me close of ten minutes. Let me close with a practical application. Maybe to do with those who are not saved this morning. And you see, I don't know who's saved and who's not saved. Neither do you. Again, we come to the leaves. Nothing but leaves, leaves, leaves. Nothing but leaves. No fruit. Tell me, can you honestly say before God this morning that there's fruit in your life, fruit for the Lord? See the world out there this morning, young man, young woman. See the world out there. I'm speaking from experience. Do you see the world out there this morning is a picture of this fig tree? Sitting there, full of leaves and so much potential, oh, attractive. Come to me. Don't pass me by. Come to me. I have what you need here. Is that not the cry of the world? It looks lovely. It's uh, Oh, get away from your home. Get away from your family. Get out into the world. Get to the bright lights and to the discos and to the dances and to the pubs and to the clubs and to the drugs. But the devil doesn't tell you that you might be stamped and suffocated to death. Come, come. Cover up. Luring, we're luring the young people. And when they get there, they find there's nothing but leave. You know, I'm almost tired of hearing people talking about it seems to be it seems to be in these last days there's more talk like this that people are saying we have no accountability. And and they say such things as this we can't do anything about the way we were born. I didn't ask for this nature. I didn't ask to sin. I was born a sinner. They know know enough of the gospel to know that. 
I was born with these old lusts and I was born with these old things that I have in my life and it's not my fault. That's the way I inherited. That's the way I was born. And that's it. It's not it. When you come to talk like that, which is true, you put a big full stop and you look to the cross. God so loved the world. My friend, listen, the cross, the Son of God, the stripping, the spitting, the shame and the scoffing, and the bearing shame and scoffing root, my Savior died to give you a new nature, to take away your sin. And you have a choice. The prodigal had a choice to leave the father's house. He had a choice to go down to the harlots. He had a choice to go into the gambling den. He had a choice to go to the drunkard. He had a choice to go down to the swine trough. And he had a choice to come home. When you have a choice this morning, and don't come off with this, But you have no accountability. I tell you, you're accountable to this message even alone this morning. That Christ died for your sins. And you're to flee from the wrath to come. And come out of those old hell holes and things that you're at and come to Christ. And receive him as your saviour and he'll He'll cleanse you and take away your sin. No, the prodigal made his own choice. Made his own choice. But he discovered there was nothing but leaves. There's no fruit. There's no future. And there's certainly no fortune. I remember after my father sold the farm of land down in the shores of the Erne. And there came a fellow home from Manchester and he said to me, he said, you know, I can earn £20 a week on the buses. I tell you, that was big money. He says, £20 a week I get on driving a bus. And so I says, I'll go to Manchester and I'll get £20 a week driving. I never even got on the buses. I ended up in an old uh, coal, coal, coal works, shoveling coal into a furnace. And the only ones who would do it would be the Irish and the black men, that's the only one that done it. And I found that out there wasn't just uh, <laughs> the tinsel and the bright lights and the getting away from home and It's not like that, my friend. There's nothing but leaves. And let them be red leaves or green leaves or white leaves or any other kind of leaves. They're only leaves. They might look nice. But they're only leaves that will wither and fail and fall and blow away. And this fig tree teaches me and teaches you this morning. Teaches us this morning that there's nothing in it. Nothing in it. What does he see this morning as I close? The suit? 
the tie, the table, the King James. Nothing wrong with those things. What does he say? When he draws near, he, he, he had to come near to the fig tree. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the Ethiopian eunuch coming down from Jerusalem from worshipping? He was the chancellor of the exchequer of Ethiopia. He'd been away for days and weeks. A very important man for he had an awful lot of people with him around him, guards and chariots. And it's not long after Pentecost and he got a hold of the scriptures, something of the scriptures. He got Isaiah anyway, and maybe some of the Old Testament scriptures. And he's sitting in the chariot, coming down, down Gaza and, and heading home. And, and he's reading the scriptures. Boy, if you'd have stood back from that and saw, boy, there's a queer religious man. There's a man must have got saved up in Jerusalem. Look at him, he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. But the Lord told Philip, draw near. Draw near to the chariot. Come near. And then get up into the chariot. And when he got up into the chariot, he found a f- different picture. And when this Holy Spirit, you know, last Sunday morning he drew near in this meeting to Robert's message. And he draws near at times and he goes away past all the outward appearance and he goes right to the heart and he says, there's no fruit. No fruit. Well, I don't want to die like that. I say to the Lord every day that I live, Lord, I don't want to die an old barren Minister with no power, no fire, no anointing, no longing, no vision. I don't want to die like that. Or tired and playing golf. I don't want to die like that. Do you? When he comes in close, does he see fruit? And we're almost finished now. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. That every believer should have. Have we got it? Is there no love, no joy, no peace, no long-suffering, no gentleness, no godliness, no faith, no no meekness, no self-restraint? No fruit. Is any of them there this morning? You see, some think that this tree... Is the three that he preached the parable on in Luke 13. You remember that parable? The owner came to the vineyard and he, year after year after year for three years and there was no fruit. Maybe this was the fourth year for this, I don't know. 
Year after year, the owner came to the husband man in the vineyard, and every year he came, the same fig tree, same leaves, no fruit, no fruit, no fruit. And he said the third time he came, he says, cut it down. It cumbers the ground. It's taking the sap away from the other trees. It's not producing anything. It's of no value. Cut it down. And the husband said, please let it alone for another year. And I will fertilize it and I will water it and I will dig it and I'll do what I can. Let it alone. Maybe this is the fourth year and he has come back and it's still the same. Cut it down. My friend, the Lord that died on Calvary's cross didn't only die to save you from your sins. He died that we might bring forth fruit and that our fruit would remain and others would be attracted to us and would see the Lord in us Let's see the joy of the Lord in us. And the vision of a lost world shining out of us and a hunger for God. That would satisfy him. When he sees the travail of a soul and be satisfied. He doesn't like leaves. Only. That's by on prayer, please. Now we're not going to sing anymore, we're just going to reflect on what you've heard. May not, not nothing in this message may apply to you this morning. But we apply to somebody else. Oh God, what do you see? Lord, what do you see this morning? Oh God, help us to be real. I don't want to be like that old tree this morning. Save us, oh Father, from the outward appearance. Man looketh on the outward appear. God looketh upon the heart. <coughs> Father, we pray that you'll bless those that go. 
those of us who remain. Bless us too. Oh, you want to bless us, Lord. You want to bless us today and this weekend. We just ask, Lord, that we'll be in the way of blessing. We ask it all in our Saviour's name. Amen.